0: This is a Solitaire Media Original Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Golby Podcast. This is Fender Jackson. This week's guests are John Cunningham and Amelia Walker. They are here to talk about a new book released this year, which is called Hardy Man and Beyond. Hardy Man and Beyond was edited by John along with Kieran McDonough. And it is a follow-up to a famous publication released in 1820 called History of the Town and County of the Town of Galway. So Hardy Man and Beyond is basically a recap of Galway since then. We recorded this conversation yesterday evening, which was Tuesday, and I'm rushing the episode out, as I believe that this book would be a perfect gift for anyone who loves the city of Galway. And you don't need to be a history buff to enjoy it, as it's very accessible. It's got some amazing photos in there, including some taken in 1913 in colour. So these photos are not your World War II photos colorized that end up looking a bit strange, because the original photos from 1913 were taken in colour, and we go into detail about those. There's some amazing photographs of the thatched cottages of the Tlada, for example. You'll hear me name-drop Phil Coulter I kind of did that unashamedly myself being a musician from Derry Phil is a bit of a hero of mine but I didn't actually land my point in this chat which was that Phil and I were talking about my cousin Paddy's father Joe Quinn Joe Quinn was a racing driver in the 1950s from Derry I'll just say that again Joe Quinn was a racing driver in the 1950s from Derry. And it turned out that Phil viewed my Uncle Joe as a bit of a legend. Now I'm really name-dropping. But I wonder does Phil Coulter have an uncle that Joe Quinn thought was a bit of a legend? I guess we'll never know. I never met my Uncle Joe. He was tragically killed in a racing incident in the Curve of Kildare back in 1954. But people have said that I am very much like him. My aunt, who settled in Galway, loved my company as she loved her eldest brother. She always remarked about how alike Joe and I were, from her dark looks to her musicality. Also, she said that Joe was great crack. Perhaps that was her way of acknowledging my lack of reckless, carefree abandon. So you hear two commercials in this podcast, and both of them are for Life Recordings. Life Recordings is a service whereby I interview older people as a gift for future generations. I'm really laboring this point as we are coming up to Christmas and if, like me, you do your shopping last minute, after you buy Hardyman and beyond, you may want to club together as a family and treat yourselves to a time capsule of the past for the future. This podcast and the parent channel, which is called The Ireland Podcast, findable on any podcast player, are totally unfunded and to date have brought in zero money. Like, really, zero, not one bean. However, I have added a button to the website saltilmedia.com where you can buy me a coffee. If you want to do that, please be my guest. And if you can't or don't want to, that's entirely cool also. However, maybe you would consider providing a favourable rating or sharing this podcast with your family and friends. Goro mai agat. So, without any further delay, Ban, please will you come to a timely close. This is the Galway
1: podcast.
0: Hello, who are you and what do you do? I'm John Cunningham and I work in the university in the history department and I teach there and I research there. Uh, my
1: name's Amelia Walker. And I'm a graphic designer and publisher. Our family business is a publishing business. It's based in Australia, but we do a lot of Irish titles or titles of Irish interest. Um, obviously, the Australia has a huge Irish history. So um, in approaching this book, it wasn't unusual for us to take on a book that would be based here in Galway.
0: Cool. We'll come on to the book in a second. Mm-hmm. First of all, which John Cunningham are you? <laughs> which John Cunningham am I? Yeah, well, I, I, so- I know one already, and you're not him. I'm not him. Yeah, you probably know my cousin John. We're named for the same grandfather from Bunnatubber, Carnadale, Kandagnalva, but oh. um, yeah, but and we're good friends. And uh, but um, yeah, we're not the same person. That's good. That's good. Otherwise, your wives might be a bit confused. Yeah, Assuming so we both have some, similar, some overlapping women. interests as well, yeah. Assuming you're married to women. Uh, uh, yes, I, I am, yes. <laughs> sure. And Amelia Walker, what's the name of your publishing company?
1: Well, this imprint that has done the book that we're talking about today is called Arden Publishing, and that's our Irish imprint. But the publishing company is called Australian Scholarly Publishing. We have various imprints for various purposes, and... Um, And this one is the one that we are using for this book and our latest book, which is also a Galway book.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. So we've mentioned the book already. What is the book? Okay. Will I take that one? Yes. So um, essentially it's um, a cultural and artistic history of Galway uh, since 1820. Why 1820? You were going to ask. Well, uh, let me just <laughs> but, uh, uh, think about that one. Yeah. Um, why 1820? Okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was significant because there was a publication in that year of Hardiman's History of Galway, which is kind of a landmark history. So some years before that, in a discussion with um, Arden, uh, the, the idea arose that we might commemorate Hardiman's history. Uh, So the way we decided to do it was by talking about what had happened in Galway culturally uh, since. James Hardiman was a well-known figure in his day. The university library is called after him. He was a Gaelic scholar, historian, antiquarian, and um, so on. So uh, that was our starting point. And there is a biography of Hardiman in the book, but then it takes, we continue right up to 2020, as it were. So... James Hardiman's book of 1820, I've written the title down here. It's yes. called History of the Town and County of the Town of Galway. Yes, that's right. Yes. Why use one word whenever nine will do? <laughs> yeah, well, there were two uh, distinct uh, uh, administrative entities. Uh, so... He's, the town is one thing, and the county of the town was the oh, other. Oh, the county of the town is The one. county of the town was larger what? than the town, but it wasn't what we now know as County Galway. It right. extended for several miles right. from the centre. It was a political constituency, and it was an administrative unit. Uh, so, but so was the town, so he had to hit both. Uh, he had to uh, nail both in his title. That makes sense. Now. What was going through my mind there was... London being the city of Westminster and the city of London, yeah, yes. kind of like that, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, James Hardyman. Let's talk a little bit about him. Who was he, and what was going through his mind that made him want to write a book on the town and the county of the town? Yeah, uh, I suppose that's that's complicated. He wasn't born here. He was from Mayo originally, uh, but uh, he seems to have identified strongly with Galway. And I suppose there is a kind of a general, um, he's reflecting a zeitgeist, as it were, of the time in writing a history of his place. You have in these islands at the time, you have a lot of county histories, local histories, and so on. So he's just doing what others were doing. And he seems to have uh, taken on board the idea of... uh, um, restoring or improving Galway's reputation, so it's a, a work of local pride in some respects, but it's also um, there's considerable attention, I suppose, to historical accuracy. Um, he worked in archives in public records in du- in Dublin, so he had access to uh, the sources, and it's kind of interesting because. For a lot of the sources he used, it's only in his book that you will find them because some of them went up with the four courts uh, 101 years ago. So a lot of the records that he would have used for the history of of Galway as it was. As um, I suppose we might say, still it reflects a particular mindset of the time. It's very much an elite history uh, emphasising the role of the uh, the so-called tribes of Galway, the rich merchants and so on. But at the same time, he does pay attention to the uh, the common people, as they might have put it at the time. There's interesting material in particular on the claddock community of fishermen, which is more detailed than any that we find uh, for that community. And I suppose in describing and talking about the claddock community, uh, Hardman had the advantage of speaking the language that they spoke, which was Irish. Uh, so a lot of other visitors and writers about Claddagh uh, didn't have uh, that uh, ability. Uh, so he's fairly sensitive, although he uh, doesn't... Th- 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 yeah, he's kind of a little bit impatient uh, with their attachment to what he calls ancient customs and so on with regard t- to fishing. Um, so I guess um, at the time... The clad of people um, didn't take up what were considered to be uh, modern technologies, trawling in particular. They had, um, I suppose, an ecological objection uh, to, uh, to to these new fangled methods of fishing. So they didn't do it themselves, and they also prevented physically anyone else from adopting the technology. So a lot of people like Hardiman, modernisers and so on of that era – would have um, considered that the clad of people were backward-looking in that regard. But now, I suppose, with a better understanding of these matters, we could probably say the clad of people were right uh, with regard to their understanding of the uh, habits of fishes and the actual uh, layout of the bay and so on. So, he got that one wrong. (laughs) But um, it's interesting, uh, in general... Uh, the depth of the discussion. So in the new book, in Hardiman and beyond, in our book, In your book? Yeah, we took the liberty of uh, taking that footnote from Hardiman uh, on Clada, And I think it takes, uh, it's a footnote in tiny print in his book, but we thought it was important enough uh, to bring it to, uh, broader attention, uh, so we include it as a chapter in regular uh, typeface uh, in the book. So it's a sample of Hardiman's writing, but it's also an important glimpse into um, uh, Galway um, society, the society of the of the that fishing community uh, mm. uh, at that time. And if I turn to you, then Amelia, mm. what was it about this that? Made you guys interested at Arden Publishing?
1: Well, a few things because it was coming up. We first sort of formed this idea in 2017, and with the projection of you know everyone being involved, when we approached John, you were very keen, and you knew a lot of so people you that would. John. Yeah, okay. and um, what
0: happened before that approach?
1: Well, it was a book that we knew about and... The, the
0: original James Hardiman book.
1: Yes, and myself and my father, who runs the company, um, we sort of romanced the idea that it would actually be fantastic to sort of mark the bicentenary of the book with a newer publication, so what, you know, bringing you, it up to date.
0: Sorry but, uh, to interrupt. Were you living in Galby at the time?
1: Yeah, I've been in Ireland almost two two decades. Okay. So,
0: yeah. You can really tell it from the accent.
1: No. But <laughs> and and the book will, you know, you'll tell from the book as well. A lot of gowegians are blow-ins. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> you know what people people say to me, you know, oh, you're not from Galway. I said, "No, I'm a blow-in like Sharon Shan."
1: As so mm-hmm. many of us are, and <laughs> we stay. Yeah, yeah. so uh,
0: Kieran McDonough then, I, it wasn't something that I could do by myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kieran McDonough had expertise on Hardiman mm-hmm. and on that, uh, uh, I suppose, uh, the antiquarian network of which he was a part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was brought in as well to um, uh, her expertise as a fellow editor. So I'm just K- one Kieran's of the two. A female. Uh, Kieran, she's in um, lives in Iceland at the moment. She's not. Uh, she she she's had to go abroad for work, uh, so she's not here at the moment. So she can't be interviewed uh, uh, here here today. But Kieran's a, a lady. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's the strange. thing. I was just talking to Phil Coulter there the other um, the other day about my cousin. Called Paddy, who's a, who's a female as well. Oh, so it's strange go. that these <laughs> names are being bandied around. It yeah. suits her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Cairn is in Iceland. That's right, yeah. yeah. So she's working in a university there. Yeah. And is she um, a Galwegian? She's, I think, via, uh, via Bristol, I think. Yeah, she grew okay. up in Bristol, I think, and then moved here. Yeah. Class. And you're only from, you're from Chum. Well, so we're all, uh, we're all blow-ins here. We're all blow-ins. I'm from uh, at the foot of uh, Knockma or Crookma, which is between Hedford and Chewham, County Galway. Uh-huh. But I blew up the line about 40 years ago, <laughs> so I've been here <laughs> since. So, um, Amelia, at what point did you become aware of the original Hardyman book?
1: It was it was that? one of those books that we'd been aware of for a long time. It it's sort of in the Galway psyche. Everyone knows about this book. It's uh, it was there's been various printings of it. I think um was it Tom Kenny, Tom Cork Kenny, Yeah. Was, the Kennies, F. Kenny's yeah, yeah. F. Kenny's bookshop. Yeah. Kenny's bookshop. they were serializing it well, that was a long time ago. Back but in the
0: 1920s they serialized it over Maybe twenty or thirty weeks in this Connacht Sentinel, which is not with us anymore. Uh-huh. It was a sister paper of the Connacht Tribune. Yeah. And then they put us between hard covers in uh, seventy-five. Presi- yeah.
1: It was a facsimile that came yeah. out, um, and a lot of families owned that facsimile. Uh-huh. Um, you can still see it in some bookshops yeah, and indeed, yeah. Yeah. and bookshelves around the around the county. So it, it was sort of it was part of the goi psyche. This book, yeah, and. The other thing that was sort of pushing us to do it was at that time, Galway had been given the title of uh, European Capital of Culture for 2020. Now, this is before, obviously, COVID and everything went a bit wrong. Um, but it, our plan was to have it out for that year because it was a celebration of Galway and it was fitting with the the Capital of Culture.
0: Mm-hmm. And it would yeah. tell people involved uh, in the capital of culture, you know uh, the history of the the theatre or whatever area they were interested in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was seen as a kind of yeah. almost a service to Galway 2020 in a way. But as Amelia says, uh, COVID <laughs> came along and yeah. uh, halted uh, uh, held <laughs> held a lot of things <laughs> up, yeah. effectively halted the most of the Galway 2020 and. Held us up because we hadn't quite finished it. We didn't
1: really have access to archives during that time, or any of those things. So, yeah. So
0: let's talk about the process. So you have the idea for the book, then you approach John, and how did he bubble up in your radar? Well,
1: John was the knowledge you knew who.
0: (laughs) How did you know John was a guy? How did you know John was a guy?
1: We did our research.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, so you you just googled uh, historians in Galway, and or, or, or I've written a history of Galway previously. Yeah, so you had done some magical. writing, and
1: yeah. yeah, and we knew that you know you were the person to do this, um, and then through you, you were able to get other people on board that were that were appropriate for different acts, aspects and different. Parts of the book.
0: Okay, so now you have the idea for the book. You have the guy or guys or guy and gal and, or whatever. Yes, indeed, and yeah. Kieran. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then you have to then create the book. So, how do you go through the process, or what process do you go through to get the book together?
1: Well, a long one.
0: <laughs> Talk about that. Yeah. Well, I guess we. Um, I mean, Kieran or neither Kieran or I nor both of us could have written the whole thing because uh yeah so we defer to people with particular uh, areas of expertise um Garrahtui on the Irish language you know and various uh, other uh, people uh, Lionel Pilkington on well, actually, do, yeah. do, do, do what might be helpful is um, yeah. we uh, we have a list, or I have a list here yeah, of, of the contributors. Yeah. So if I just call out a name, yes, maybe you can summarize what they did. Okay, yeah. And well, I suppose there's t- in terms of the actual shape of the book, there there are different types of articles. So mm. there's a dozen kind of survey pieces of major areas, say like mm. theater, like literature, and so on. You know. Mm. Uh, uh, then there's shorter pieces which are kind of snapshots of of a moment and then there are also biographies shorter still mm. of a selection uh, of individuals men and women who contributed uh, to uh, to the cultural life as it were of Galway so there's uh, people like uh, the poet Rita Ann Higgins she's there's a piece by Elaine Feeney uh-huh. about her, um, Sarah, uh, Sarah Ann Buckley about um, uh, uh, Patricia Burke-Brogan, who died last year. Yeah, so, she
1: died just before the book came out.
0: Yeah, so there are, are these little, there's a kind of 14-something uh, biographies. We're not saying they're the last word, uh, mm. you know, or that it's a definitive list, but they're just interesting lives which illustrate different aspects of the of the culture, so those are nice short two page um, uh, uh, biographies on on those people. Then we have longer pieces um, on the kind of theatre over forty or fifty years. Uh, um, there's an interesting piece as well by Anna Falken. She's, she's like, just released the book herself on, yeah. on music in Galway. That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she wrote the piece on traditional music from the I suppose the revival. Of the 1960s, the scene through the 60s, 70s, and, uh, uh, and and so on, the development, I suppose, of the of the music, uh, traditional music culture uh, over those periods. So there's a dozen pieces of that nature, like Anna's, like uh, Lionel's, mm. um, um, and a dozen shorter uh, pieces, uh, and then a, a dozen or so biographies. Actually, as well. someone
1: we probably should mention is Charlie McBride.
0: Yeah. Uh, Uh, Charlie was um, from Letterkenny uh, originally, uh, an important figure in a lot of uh, cultural activity here, and he was uh, he was um, commissioned to do one of the pieces, and unfortunately fell on poor health and. Wasn't able to complete the piece, so um, he uh, he's there. He's credited there as, a, as 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 having written part one of uh, one of the pieces. And uh, the book is dedicated to him because he he died before it before oh. it appeared. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, everybody uh, in Galway pretty much knew knew Charlie. He'd been here for thirty or forty years as well. Uh, the arts, latterly the arts correspondent or on the in the advertiser. Uh, but he had a lot of other strings to yeah. his, his his bow as well. So, so um, the book uh, is 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 dedicated to him then yeah. as the only contributor who was no longer with us, apart from James Hardiman, who I mentioned and who yeah. we uh, who we selected from uh, in in the early part of the book. Okay, so what I would like to do is go through these names, and there's a lot of names, but I think it'd be good just to name check them and see what they did. So. Let's go through it, and I'm going to say the names wrong, obviously. But anyway, Shover Aiken, Shiver Aiken. Oh, there we go, yes. the first one. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, currently working in uh, Queens in the Irish Department in Queens in Belfast, but she wrote about an interesting uh, poet, Martin O'Durhan, who worked in the post office and uh, was a native of the uh, for a time and was uh, a native of the Iron Islands, uh, Murray Boran. Mary Bourne uh, knows about Hardiman himself. She works, actually, in the James Hardiman Library in the university. Uh, so she wrote about uh, James Hardiman's connection with the university towards the end of his life. Yeah. Sarah Ann Buckley. Sarah Ann Buckley uh, wrote about um, the playwright, the important playwright Bridget Bur- Brogan, uh, who was... Um, a nun herself in her youth working in the Magdalen uh, laundry and who left because she was appalled by what went on there and she subsequently wrote a marvellous play called Eclipsed About It in the groundbreaking play in the 1990s uh, about, so Sarah uh, piece is about uh, Patricia Burke Brogan who uh, unfortunately died uh, last year but she'd she lived to a, a, good, a decent age I guess, yeah. Richard Butler. Richard Butler wrote about, um, I suppose, a more, uh, an architectural aspect of the development of the city focusing on Nuns Island uh, and the piece there looks at the jail and the development of the jail and the replacement of the jail by the uh, Catholic Cathedral in the 1960s and the processes uh, that were, were involved there. Yeah, Brian Casey. Uh, Brian Casey wrote uh, a piece on a man called James Daly of Donshandle in County Galway. Um he was a significant political figure in Galway at the time and James Hardiman d- dedicated his history uh, uh, to him in a- his history of 1820 uh, to James Daly. Yeah. Mary Clancy. Uh Mary Clancy uh, wrote about um a historian um significant historian called Mary Donovan O'Sullivan um, who was the first female professor in the university uh, in her 20s way back in 1912 or thereabouts. She's interesting also as an early as a feminist, as a suffrage activist at that time. Mary Cunningham and is she a relative? Mary Cunningham is um, not a relative exactly. I'm married to her. Yeah. (laughs) 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 <laughs> Don't tell her that <laughs> Yeah, She uh, wrote an interesting piece about the writer and dramatist uh, Walter Mecca uh, so Mary's interested in documentaries and in figures uh, and Galway literary figures So, Do you have a grandparent that you never met? Do you wonder what they were like? What type of life did they have? What type of person were they? How did they laugh? Both of my grandfathers had passed before I was born, so in 2006, when there was no signs of my children arriving anytime soon, I video interviewed both my parents. I asked them about their lives, the holidays they had, their parents, their grandparents. How did they meet? What did they do, and what were they like? Where's their final resting place? Some time elapsed, my children did come along, and then my mother passed on, and yeah, sure I miss her, but I still have a video of her telling me about her life story. Now, I video interview other people's older relatives as a present for their loved ones. If you want me to capture your special memories, please get in touch at saltfulmedia.com. Thanks.
1: This is The Golly Podcast.
0: And I'm going through this alphabetically. I know it probably doesn't make sense because the book's not in alphabetical order for in terms of the contribute contributors. Yeah. However, I, you talked about Anna Falconau now. Uh, already, yes. Already, is, yeah. yeah indeed, so, yeah. Elaine Feeney. Elaine Feeney, um, who's recently uh, in the news as a nominee for the Booker Prize, uh, she wrote a piece about a, an important Galway poet called Rita Ann Higgins, uh, who's um, still very much active? Uh, um, uh, so, yeah, a nice piece uh, there about, uh, on uh, analyzing uh, and assessing Rita Ann's poetry. Excellent, Dara Folan. Uh, Dara Folan uh, wrote an interesting piece about the Gaelic revival in uh, Galway in the early twentieth uh, century, with the focus in particular on the Aractus of 1913 a national cultural event which was held in the town hall and which was attended by all sorts of people uh three future presidents of Ireland were there uh, several people who would be executed a couple of years later in uh, as a result of the 1916 rising so it's kind of a, an important cultural moment so he, he wrote he writes about that yeah Wow, i that's something that you know is is brahmgil so yeah. I, I, it's something that i'm particularly interested in and was by the way you're talking that Gillick might have been dying out in Galway in, of the city, is that correct? And then he uh, it was brought back somehow, or well, I'm I guess uh, yeah, there's another piece I um which talks, there's several other pieces on the g- cultural revival. Uh, there's Dara's piece, there's also the piece by Garo Jo uh, which looks at the new state policy, yeah. Uh, so. I guess Irish was the spoken language until the late nineteenth century. Certainly, in parts of the city, certainly Claddagh, and in the outskirts of the city. So, people who visit Galway comment at the time about how you can hear it on the streets. Uh-huh. They're not necessarily all the city dwellers, but the people from the countryside around, from Menlo to Barna to uh, yeah, to all of the uh, all all of the area around is Irish speaking at that time. Now, um, it's dying, you can see, by looking at the 1911 census, mm. that uh, you can see the older people have Irish and English and younger children and so on don't. There's a significant intervention then, which is described by Garage O'Toole by the New State, which identifies Galway as a kind of an engine to drive their Gaelicisation uh, project. Uh, so there's a number of initiatives in the 1920s uh, the establishment of the Tivyark as an Irish language theatre, the establishment of Enn Ka, which was an Irish-speaking regiment of the army, which was based in Renmore Barracks, and also the responsibilities which were given to the university with regard to education through Irish. So those were two major, three major initiatives of the 1920s by the new um, uh, the new Free State government. Uh, which kind of, um, uh, I suppose, uh, not entirely successfully, but gave some sort of an impetus uh, to uh, to the revival of Irish in the uh, in the city and the and the surrounding areas. Yep. So there was g- great ambition for what might happen uh, and how Galway might become the centre of an Irish speaking Ireland, as some mm-hmm. of the revivalists put it. Uh, but we can't say that that actually happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was certainly a reversal. In the fortunes of the language in the nineteen twenties and thirties, as a result of mm-hmm. those initiatives, as a whole series of podcasts in itself, but it sounds of yeah, the way you're yeah. talking and yeah. something I would very much be interested in doing. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's um, that, that's Garajatuhi's uh, article, and Dara Folan does the prior piece uh, on how things were and why under the old order. Yeah, and why Adrian Fisher. Uh, Adrian's piece is kind of connected with the two that I uh, mention. Uh, He um, has a a cultural uh, focus. Uh, So uh, he he talks about an event, again, kind of like the one I described um, uh, that Dara talks about. And this is the Connacht Fesh of 1902, which brings a number of cultural figures together in Galway. Um, People, uh, people, Douglas Hyde and uh, and and uh, and other uh, revivalists. So it's kind of a moment uh, again uh, that Adrian describes. Here. Jared Hanbury. yeah, Jerry is a, a well-known poet, and uh, he's um, uh, he's interested in literature generally, I suppose. Uh, so what better man to ask about the way Galway has been represented in literature? I suppose there's a kind of a difference. Um in the treatment of literature and say the treatment of theatre and music with regard to treat music and theatre we're talking about what happened in Galway with regard to uh literature uh and art indeed uh we're looking really at how Galway was represented by artists how how the how the writers how the painters uh, saw the place, how they represented the place. Uh, so uh, that's uh, Jerry's um, focus in that in that piece. How what they wrote about the place, and he's got a particular fondness for Oscar Wilde's family. Yes, uh, he's written a biography of Sir William Wilde uh, and other, and he's been writing about other members of the family. William Wilde, an interesting figure himself. Um, uh, he was a medical specialist, but also, I suppose, a historian, uh, antiquarian. And um, so he would have written an, an important book on Loch Corrib. So mm-hmm. Oscar used to apparently come down to Galway with daddy. Jonathan Hannon. Jonathan Hannon is uh, from Chewham, um, properly from Chewham. Uh, and he's written about um, music, uh, popular music, rock music uh, in uh, the city, uh, which uh, I suppose reached a high point maybe in the nineties, with bands like the Saw Doctors and the Stunning coming to the fore. But uh, he goes, he 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 looks under the bonnet and comes up with a lot of other uh, interesting uh, bands as well. So mm. uh, a fascinating piece there by Jonathan. Yeah, Anne Hodge. Anne Hodge works in the National Gallery of Ireland, so she's an expert on on um, paintings and so on. Uh, so she wrote about uh, uh, art the way Galway has been represented in art over the over the period, say, roughly between the 1820s and the 1950s or 60s, yeah. Michael Kavanagh. Uh, Mike Kavanagh wrote about education, um, uh, po- po- uh, third-level education specifically, and I suppose um, in terms of the arts, a lot of the initiatives uh, would have come out of the two institutions, What now the University of Galway and uh, the Atlantic Technological University. Uh, so he looks at the development of both institutions, but also at some of the cultural initiatives uh, that, uh, that emerged uh, from them. Una Cavanagh. Una Cavanagh looks at an interesting uh, collection of photographs um, which were uh, taken in 1913. They're significant, I suppose, in being the first colour photographs um, of Ireland. They're part of a larger uh, project um, initiated by a French uh, uh, philanthropist. Uh, so uh, two uh, female photographers, French, and... Um, toured Ireland in 1913 and um, took interesting photographs of Galway and Una describes those. And are those photographs in the book in colour? They are, yes. There's a selection of them in colour, a selection of them. Quite a few of them are there, yeah. Cool. Tom Kenny you mentioned, and he's uh, he's glad to see him mentioned in here as well. Yeah, Tom Kenny is um, a... um, part of Kenny's bookshop and gallery, so he's had a long-time interest in art, so he kind of takes up where Ann Hodge uh, left off with the story of art in Galway. Micheál Macrá Michael uh, is a former uh, professor of Irish at the university, uh, retired now, um, but he looks at Hardiman's history and the way it's been used by novelists in the Irish language, so a number of novelists... Um, actually went to Hardiman as a source. Uh, so he, he examines the way that uh they that, that they went about this and um the liberties they took indeed. Jared Madden. Uh, Jared Madden uh chose an interesting figure um who was essentially maybe seen in many respects as a censor of the arts in Galway. This was um Bishop Michael Brown I suppose the Uh, He's probably best remembered at this stage uh, for the cathedral, for the Catholic cathedral, uh, built, as we said previously, on the site of the jail. There were some wonderful and interesting commissions there. But I think uh, in hindsight, we remember him uh, for (laughs) obstructing the arts. And uh, Gerard deals uh, with that in his usual wry kind of fashion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Bishop, Bishop Mihail Brown is uh, still colloquially perhaps remembered around Galway for the cathedral, and a lot of people still refer to it as the Taj Michal.
0: Ah, so that's the person that's linked to. Yeah. Yeah. We, we mentioned Charlie McBride already. Uh, yes, indeed, yeah. Maria McGarity. Yeah, Maria McGarity wrote about uh, Nora Barnacle. Um, Mrs. James Joyce, as it were. Uh, She was from the inner city of Galway. And I suppose a lot of uh, Joyce's writings, uh, including um, The Dead and some of his better known works, are um, influenced by uh, what he was told by Nora. So uh, Maria deals with the relationship and the influences, I suppose, of one and the other. Uh, Nora's house is just off Lombard Street. Yes, um, in Bowling Green, yeah. Yeah, and the house is a bit of a museum. It's opened periodically. and uh, yeah, yeah,
1: during the summer it's open.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, she, Nora may have been the recipient of a few letters, which, um, <laughs> which, um, <laughs> which are interesting reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. John, John Mulhern. Uh, I suppose John Mulhern's contribution is probably the most striking of all. Um, He was the artist uh, who uh, did uh, the painting Íha Galyevach, which is uh, on the front cover. Uh, So he's um, a Belfast man originally. Uh, He was an art teacher who influenced um, generations, I suppose, of Galwegians. In appreciating uh, art, and uh, and some of them, uh, some of his pupils became artists in their own right. So uh, yeah, so we were, we, were, we really liked that that picture. Uh, I think yeah. I was trying to place that picture. Where is it? It shows the courthouse, but from an unfamiliar as you're crossing the Salmonware Bridge. Okay. Yeah, and there's a mill there which is no longer. Which has been demolished. Ah, th- yeah, that would throw. Yeah, that would so, throw, so, yeah, yeah. throw you a little bit. Yeah, Maeve Uron. Yeah, Maeve, yeah, Maeve uh, did an interesting piece too, based uh, substantially on oral interviews about um, Irish dancing uh, in the in the city. Uh, so she interviewed some of the dancing teachers and then researched some of the earlier teachers uh, who are n- no longer with it. So it's an interesting um, uh, snapshot of an activity that was transformed, I suppose, uh, by uh, river dance uh, mm-hmm. in more recent times. But uh, the uh, the story before that's obviously interesting too. Do we know where those recordings are? The um, sorry, the did, reco- did she record? Were those? Oh, well, she would have, yeah, she perhaps prob- she would have those, yeah, she, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, she'd have those or something. yeah, because sort of, yeah. this is quite recent history. I'm looking at the dates of it, yes, yeah, that's right, yeah. My uncle, just to go into uh, let's go up north for a little second, yeah, my, my father's uncle, mm-hmm. uh, so where I'm from, I'm from the Sparren Mountains or yes. the foot of the Sparren Mountains in County Derry, yep. and it's the last place where Gillick died out in the, in the six counties, yes, because frankly, there's nothing there, you know. His
1: little pocket. Uh, yeah. It, so
0: people it, left, there. people aband- most people abandoned the places. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's depopulated. But also the, Gillick was the last, mm-hmm. it was the last place where, where Gillick died out. Well, for example, my grandmother is described as coming from the rocks and yeah. it's because there's nothing there but the rocks, you know. Yeah. So growing potatoes would be difficult or growing vegetables yeah. or whatever. But my grand, sorry, my grandfather's brother, what he, he was a priest and what he was doing and you can connect the dots here he went out and found these people uh who were speaking gaelic as a first language these mm. old mm-hmm. generally old women yeah. and he's transcribing their stories ask gilga mm-hmm. you know and writing the stories down those records are now in the national archives in dublin yes those just yeah. books Fantastic. Yeah, yeah yeah so he yeah it's just so so, so he was Probably working for the Irish Folklore Commission then, or something, was no. he? No, no, he was just he was doing out, of, out of his own interest. But What's he, that?
1: That's yeah. Dukas or something.
0: So, yeah, s- some of them, yeah. yeah. But 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 he, but he on his deathbed he said to his nephew, my mm. uncle, take these down to the National Archives. Yeah, okay. And um, yeah, there was a book published on it. But it's funny, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something genetic in these people. You know, my, my storytellers and, and I, you know. but story collectors. I'm yes. thinking about myself yeah. and, and my great uncle. You know that uh, we kind of do this out of love you know? Yeah the man I mentioned uh, earlier, my grandfather who I named for and the other John Cunningham that yeah, you know, yeah. he was uh, a Sianachie as well so he was collected by the Folklore Commission back in the 1930s right. uh, yeah. um, so it's kind of in our, in our family, in your family as well, as well. Indeed, yeah. are we yeah. just nosy? Is that our problem or what is it? Yeah I don't know yeah <laughs> I'm nosy. Anyway, <laughs> Alvin Nigarvey. Garvey. wrote on one of our most iconic writers, um, Parikh Uh So uh, he's um, back in the square now, isn't he? In, um, in replica, uh, the original statue from the 1930s is uh, safely installed in the museum because it was vandalised and was essentially eroding as well because it's made from... Uh, from Limestone. But uh, um, yeah, so Alva's um, piece deals with him. Jimmy O'Brien Moran. Yeah, Jimmy O'Brien Moran is a um, well-known musician himself, a piper, uh, who spent a few years in Galway way back in the late 70s, early 80s, and played in some noted bands of that era. He continues to play, but he's he's become an academic as well. Uh, So he wrote, um, he uh, works in the University of Limerick, uh, but he wrote about a Galway Piper of the 1840s. Uh, I suppose what's interesting about him in this respect, in this book, well, there's two things. One is that Hardiman kind of supported him, and uh, the other is that his music was actually written down uh, in uh, at the time, so there's some sense of what um, of what he played, and indeed Jimmy O'Brien Moore, not alone ro- wrote the piece here in the book, but he has recorded an album of uh, Paddy Keneally's pipe music. Wonderful, yeah. Um, were you going to say something
1: now? No, I was just, and this is off the record. Yeah. I was just wondering. There is a sculpture opposite Polos. Yes. Um, well, there's a piper there There's a it? piper, is that him?
0: I don't know Because I've never I've never
1: been able to find out anything about that sculpture Yeah,
0: is there and a name I thought, of I don't think it's, I no. think i remember if it was Paddy Cane- If it was supposed to be Paddy Canealy. I'm yeah. recording still, so just, this is oh, good yes, This is good, this yeah. is good So I'm just going to mention here Anybody who knows who that <laughs> is or who made it Or who, um, is there no plaque there?
1: No, I've looked. Okay. I mean, I didn't pick it up and turn yeah.
0: it over. <laughs> Good. Okay. So, so if you know who did, who made that sculpture or yeah. who who's yeah, inspired sculpture. it, yeah. please get in touch. Send us yeah. a message at salthillmedia.com. You go to the website, send a message, and I'll publish that information in one of the intros in the future. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. It's a nice, discreet little piece. You yeah. hardly notice it until you're just there beside exactly. it. Isn't that right? But, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Lilith O'Leary. Lillis uh, O'Leary, who's a performer as well, um, uh, a, a singer. Uh, so he wrote on the um, well-known actor um, Siobhan McKenna, uh, who's born, uh, who grew up in the city. I think she may have been born in Belfast, in fact. Uh, but she, her, she's associated uh, with uh, Galway Theatre and with the big screen, indeed, and well, with the Tiveyark, as I've mentioned already. Nalig like O'Marela. Yeah, so uh, Nollig is um, an expert, I suppose, on James Hardiman himself and on early Irish history. So he has a critique of of Hardiman's history. In in fact, um, as a, as a historian, uh, what's good about it, what's less good, and 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 so on. So Nollig worked in the uh, Rinnogailga, the Irish Department in the university um, as as well. Uh, so. Um, uh, a critical examination of Hardiman's history two hundred years later, and I know a knowledge also from Mayo. Yes, indeed, like Hardiman, like mm. Hardiman, yeah. Did you see Nolig was a, a a man? Yes. So you got Nolig's a man, and then you got uh, Kieran, who's a woman. Yes, I, I, I'm it's very
1: progressive. Very
0: progressive book. Yeah, exactly. I'm obviously well behind the times here. I went to China for eight years, and the Europe that I have come back to doesn't exist. It's, it's fascinating, mm-hmm. you know. I'm leap years behind. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> OK. You're catching up. <laughs> Slowly. Okay. Yeah. By talking to historians. <laughs> yeah, no.
0: God, I oh, mean. Garaj O'Tui. Yeah, Garaj O'Tooey is an eminent historian uh, who worked all his life, really, in the Department of History in the university. A good friend of mine, in fact, supervised my research when I was younger than I am now. Uh, so Garodge wrote the interesting piece on uh, the language, the fortunes of the language in Galway in the Free State period, uh, which we ca- we talked about already a little bit. Mm. Yeah. James Petica. Uh, so James Petica is, um, I suppose, an, uh, an academic based in the United States and. Williams College. He's also been a director of the 8th International uh, Summer School. So he wrote uh, on uh, Lady Gregory and her connections with, uh, with Galway City, uh, which were uh, significant um, throughout her life, including uh, the end of her life because she's buried in Bohemore Cemetery. I mentioned to somebody about maybe, maybe, you know, a footbridge that's outside the cathedral. Yes. Yeah. Brown's what do you call it? What do you call earlier? Brown's Tabber no, what call the it called Taj Mi Hall. Taj Michal. <it's a> name. <laughs> <laughs> so um I was suggesting that somebody called Nora Barnacle Bridge. Yes. Indeed. I thought you know, and the alliteration would be lovely and all the rest. Yes. And then somebody came back to me and said it should be Lady Gregory Bridge. Okay.
1: It's been given a name.
0: Though. Has it? Has it been given a name?
1: It's got a name on Google Maps.
0: Oh has it, yeah. I don't think it's official, yes. Uh, we can, we can look a, that up. There were campaigns. Uh,
1: there were various campaigns. Yes, I think yeah. the push was that should be named after a woman. woman
0: yeah. Michael D. Higgins Bridge. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> right. jail gate. Uh, the reason the Lord, Lady Gregory connection would be because of one of her plays, The Jail Gate, mm. which would have been just right there where the bridge is. Ah, because it was about Galway Jail. Right. Yeah. So that was the, would have been the entrance to Galway Jail, more or less. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, like, am, I getting, am I boring them n- to tears at this no, stage? This is brilliant. Uh, this is it brilliant. has a name. What's the name of it?
1: Julia Morrissey Bridge.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the campaigns. I that's the one
1: that's on Google Maps. It's on Go- <laughs>
0: well, somebody, somebody's probably hacked Google Maps. <laughs> That'd be difficult. <laughs> hmm? Why would they be bothered with the bridge in Galway? I think it must be official.
1: Yeah, I think I'd have heard. They're very passionate campaigns. Yeah, that's mm. right.
0: Okay, we'll move on. Yeah, Lionel Pilkington. Yeah, so um, Lionel Pilkington's uh, piece f- looks um, at theatre in Galway over the over the period of forty years since the late nineteen fifties. Uh, so covering uh, important institutions like uh, Punchbag, uh, Druids, and uh, indeed also the contribution of, uh, of Antaivyark to the development of um, of, of, of theatre in Galway. Lionel was Professor of English at the university until recently. I'm actually lining up an interview with Pierce O'Doherty from okay. Antaivyark. Yeah. So that will be good to get him on. Um, Henrik Rao. Henrique, Enrique Rao, yeah.
1: <laughs> a, did I say <laughs> <Yes>. it right?
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. I, I don't know if I speak in Chinese or German there, but yes. let well, I me mean, go on ahead, yeah. Yeah, uh, Enrica Rao was uh, spent quite a few years working in the Department of Sociology and Politics. She was known while here in Galway as an environmental campaigner. Uh, she's since gone back to work in uh, Germany, uh, but she maintains an interest in Galway. So she's really looking about uh, what can be improved about the place uh, in the years ahead. So she identifies Uh, challenges uh, of one sort or another and um, suggest possible solutions I suppose At Salt Hill Media we record the life stories of older people as a gift for their future generations We appear to be the only organisation on the island of Ireland providing this service What does that look like? An older person sits and answers questions about their life stories. For instance, what were their holidays like as children? Where did their parents meet? And what were their jobs? Where's their final resting place? And what about their parents? And so on. This is a perfect gift for people who hit another milestone. For example, a retirement gift, entering a new decade a significant wedding anniversary, or it could just be a regular gift. The clever thing about this is that it is a time capsule to be enjoyed for future generations to come. Some people say, but my life story is not that interesting. It is interesting to those who follow after you. Other people remark, I could do this myself. We say, and so you should. However, more often than not, these life stories do not get recorded, so we advise that you go to salthillmedia.com and book a recording session for three months' time. If in three months' time your recording has not happened, then we will do that for you. Go to salthillmedia.com today to book your life recording. Thank you.
1: This is
0: The Galway Podcast. Alison Titley. Alison Titley, um, again, English-based woman, originally from Chewham, like several of the others, uh, but she has uh, written about um, the uh, Galway um, Arts Group, uh, which was um, an interesting um, body, which was uh, invo- uh, included the man that we mentioned, John Mulhern, uh, he was a founder of it. Uh, so it was, uh, uh, I suppose, promoting an interest in encouraging um, uh, painting uh, when it wasn't that popular uh, back in the 1940s, uh, 50s and, and and since. We're at the ultimate one here. So Tony Tracy. Tony uh, teaches film at the University of Galway. So he's looked at, I suppose, the more recent emergence of Galway as a city of film. It's got that official designation uh, as a European uh, city of film in recent years. So he looks at developments uh, which have encouraged film, including uh, the sighting of the Roger Corman Studios, uh the uh, establishment of uh, uh, tg car and um, and, and other uh, uh, developments uh, over the over the recent decades i guess since the 1980s and 90s was the quiet man ever filmed here it was filmed near in the county I, there was it wasn't filmed in the, the city. city okay uh, it was filmed mostly in con county mayo uh-huh. but some of it was filmed in uh, the famous railway uh, uh, the uh, the railway station scene uh, was filmed at Ballyglunin Station near Chum I went to Kong and uh, there's a beautiful statue there of uh, John Wayne carrying um, Maureen yeah, O'Hara. That's right. Yeah. 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 We we ha- sorry you wanted to say something. no yeah. <laughs> No, there's an interesting. There also there are other sites used, including the uh, bridge. Um, Outside, outside of there uh-huh. as well. So, uh-huh. so there's lots of scenes from the county, but I think the main filming was done around um, around Kong. You know, my f- remember whenever videotapes came along, yeah, and you had the battle between Beta tapes and VHS yeah, tapes. Yes, right, yeah. My father, he went for the Beta tapes. Okay, and he <laughs> <laughs> he looked so sad, and <laughs> <laughs> we were too. And uh, it came with like I don't know 20 movies or maybe. <laughs> That's probably generous. It probably came at 12 or whatever. Yeah. One of those movies was The Quiet Man. We watched that and watched that and watched that. So it's so great that there's a connection from that movie and yeah. Galway. You know, it's great. Yes. So a lot of the um, uh, actors would have lived here. Uh, yeah. O'Malley's shop in, uh, in uh, High Street. Uh, I think they were in Dominic Street at the time, but they do kind of traditional tweeds and knits and mm. so on. Uh, so even back then... They were uh, outfitting mm-hmm. the. Um, they were dressing John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara in tasteful tweeds and whatever else uh, for the film. So they have some interesting photographs in the shop mm. of the from the film and of the actors wearing their clothes. There's a note to myself now. I'm going to do a episode on The Quiet Man, and yeah. uh, re- I'm going to have to watch the movie again. Yeah, uh, endure it, and then. Um, the King and I—that was another movie that we had. <laughs> All mm-hmm. these movies are come back. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'll do yeah, an episode they, they on they that. D- in Chewham, they do some stuff uh, at Balliglounan Station. There's mm-hmm. some of the arts people in Chewham. They've put on some events out of the out of the station, which was the mm-hmm. which was the site. It was where my grandfather immigrated from in mm-hmm. 1912 when he was heading off to America. Wow. Oh, wow! And I know that because he was a. He was a plate hurling, so they recorded it in the local paper. The captain oh, of the funny. team is gone. Wow. And there was this reception and the party in the house. And then he departed on the 10.15 from wow. Paddy Station. And, <laughs> and what, how,
1: how did the team survive without him? It didn't. Ah.
0: <laughs> I think there were a few of the others emigrated as well. You know, and, yeah, and, Ma- and, Mass and exodus. The, the, the team did not survive. And yeah. what happened that he came back? Complicated story. Um his older brother, who would probably have inherited a farm, who would have inherited an uncle's farm, uh. Uh, made the mistake of signing up uh, for the Connacht Rangers. And uh, he was killed in the Dardanelles. Uh, and uh, so there was a farm going a begging. And my grandfather, he had actually served in the war as well. He was drafted into the American Navy. So he was going over and back. Mm. He was... Working in the, uh, he was cook. He was cook on the on the ship, uh, bringing a, a troop carrier essentially. Mm-hmm. So he was went over and back, whatever half a dozen times, bringing bringing soldiers over to die in the great yeah. flu. More oh, than yeah, uh, uh, that was the. I just read something about it. They couldn't go ashore because of the of, the of the, of the of the flu at the, the time. Quarantine. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes. Yeah. So. yeah. So anyway, he spent uh, some Christmas um, on locked up, trying to feed that's feed bleak. the people. <laughs> that's anyway, sorry, that's my, he, that's a digression. That was my my <laughs> other <laughs> grandfather. I thought, how how come I've mentioned two grandfathers? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just nosy. Did I tell you that? <laughs> so then he got the word, then he came back. Well, he came back yeah, to visit, and apparently the farm was offered to him, and mm. yeah, yeah. So he was about ten years absent. He came back in twenty two, left in twelve. Uh, his passport application in the States showed that yeah he he was just going for a visit, mm. but uh, who knows what was on his mind? He probably didn 't want to tell the man mm-hmm. uh, too much about his plans mm. i 'll tell you well i don 't know I think it 's a cool story there's a man walking down the street in Montana from County Derry, yeah, and he sees these two lovely ladies and he says, "Oh, lo- oh, lovely ladies, Perhaps one of you will be my wife." And the lovely lady said, no, we're married. They were also from County Derry. Yeah. Montana, Montana. Yes. And they said, um, no, we're, we're married, but our sister is available. Uh-huh. And they said, oh, get her over, I'll marry her. So her? the sister came over from County Derry, and she got married to this man, and they had six children. Okay. And um, the, the oldest was, in, was what they call an invalid. You know, I don't know yeah. what, you know. That's what he said And then the youngest Was a babe in arms Yeah And then the mother died Mm -hmm. And then he realised I can't raise these kids By myself So he took six weeks To get from Montana Back to County Derry Yes And whenever he got home He had this babe in arms And he realised I can't look after this child So he gave that child away To his sister-in-law who couldn't have children Yeah That Mm -hmm. that baby's my grandmother Okay right. Okay So isn't it funny Those little simple twists Of faith were Yeah you know, Samuel Becker talks about the sheer ill luck of having been born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it's those little simple twists of fate in which you could not, if, if history had, had turned a different That's corner, right. you would never have existed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a, Nice photographs as well. Uh, I've mentioned Joe Shocknessy already, who contributed a lot of... who covered the arts in Galway, I suppose, for the past 40 uh, or more years. And uh, then there are nice uh, atmospheric photographs as well by uh, Xiao Zhang. Zhang. yeah, yeah. So he... I, I follow this man on, on Instagram yes, indeed. and I've been liking his stuff commenting he's a beautiful photographer yeah. he's a colleague of mine in the uh, in the university he works in the Department of Geography so he's a very generous and, and, and pleasant man yeah. yeah as well as being a great photographer yeah yeah, yeah. so I must meet this man As it's, it's funny I was just out talking to my children because my children are fluent in Chinese and they're giving me the correct pronunciation <laughs> so I would have said Chao Shang but they said Chow Shang Chong, which is slightly yes. different yeah 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 indeed, so yeah. um yeah. It, yeah. I'd like to get that man onto the podcast actually to discuss his work. But anyway, he's in the future for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a big shopping list of people. It, so that's a big long comp- is it comprehensive list or is there other names that we've omitted?
1: So John uh, did interviews with various people for the festival Galway section, which is an oral history. And that included interviews with Karen and Andrews, Porak Branagh, Sarah Clancy. Martin Keneally, Maura Cronin, Mary Cunningham, Dave Donovan, Leela Doolan, Kerry Guinan, James Harold, Ollie Jennings, Fred Johnston, Lally Morris, Judy Murphy, and Lorna Siggins, um, who were good enough to chat with you a bit about various aspects of yeah. festival. Some of the
0: interviews were done uh, over Zoom during COVID because we couldn't meet face-to-face, so it was Peculiar and interesting, I suppose, uh, process. Yeah. So uh, thanks for um, yeah. yeah. For that. I want to get Ollie Jennings on the podcast too because he, he seems to have been quite instrumental in starting up the Arts Festival. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. As, as well as being um, the manager of the Cell Doctors. But yeah. he's, a, he's a difficult man to get hold of. Yeah, yeah. So he's interviewed there at uh, some... Uh, he contributes a fair bit to that piece on the... Uh, on the festival mm-hmm. festival section. Yeah. So you're talking there about the book being in three parts. Do you want to discuss a little bit about that? Why don't oh, you okay. go for it, Amelia?
1: Um, well, uh, the book contains so much content, and we wanted it to be accessible because it is not just a book for historians and historians possibly in the future, but it is a book for anyone interested in Irish history and for the local Norwegian. And so we broke it into three accessible parts, which possibly, well, they sort of, they work as three parts, I think they don't work, they? Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and John can tell you more about them.
0: Okay, right. Uh, I guess the first part is uh, contemporary with Hardiman himself. So Hardiman lived until the 1850s. So part one really talks about Hardiman's life, his work, and some of the other things that were going on in Galway during that period. Uh, part two, uh, which I start myself with a kind of a survey of Galway social and economic history uh, over the past 200 years, but it uh, focuses really between the famine and the end of the 1950s. Um, And then the final part is more or less contemporary, tracing uh, the developments of the kind of things that Galway has become famous for, um, you know, the development of theatre, development Mm. of uh, traditional music, literature, and so on. Uh, So that's how we decided uh, to to divide it. Ultimately, uh, they're not all of... Equal length, the sections, the more recent period covers uh, more of the book and uh, probably will be of greater interest uh, to uh, people who've lived here, people who've grown up here, people who've moved here and so on.
1: There are more photographs in the last part of the book.
0: Yeah. I'm just looking at some of those photographs. So Some of these 1913 photographs of the Tlada thatch cottages in colour, which are Mm, just bending. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It was a new technique at the time uh, of photography. It didn't actually go anywhere, but it took great photographs for a while. It was too expensive, I think. When was the book published? Um, it was published eventually um, in uh, April uh, during the 4th International Festival of Literature. Uh, so we had a launch there and a Courts event uh, featuring some of the, some of the contributors. Uh, so it's been around uh, through the summer. And um, yeah, and it's been well received, I think, uh, uh, by those who've seen it and those who've read it. What type of reviews have you had? Can you remember any any lines or any stars that you've been given?
1: Well, we've had some really good feedback from Vinny at uh, Charlie Burns and, yeah, I, yeah, and Kenny Bookshop as well. The, the on that was with Gary McMahon.
0: Yeah, yeah the uh, uh, there was a discussion on. The on books of the year in uh, on Galway AFM wasn't that right, yep. <laughs> oh. Amelia? So I think that came out top of the list.
1: It sure did. Indeed,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, so, in a discussion involving booksellers, uh, Vinnie. And uh, Sarah Kenny, I think, was yeah. that right, right, Yeah, It's beautiful. I mean, I'm, I've got it in my hands here, and uh, the pictures are just a little title there, more undertones than The Clash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking as a dairyman, you know. Yes, it's, it's Oh, there's, uh, there's Contempo Quartet as well. It's nice yeah. to see them, guys. We've so, also
1: had a few talks that link in. With the book, that's right, yeah. Because the chapters they're fantastic, but you know they fit in a lot into a s- small space. In a lot of these subjects, there's so much more you can say. Mm-hmm. So we've held a few talks with some of the contributors mm-hmm. um, that have been open to the general public to come along, and we're hoping to hold a few more. Yes, indeed. Um, where contributors can talk further about the subject matter that they've written about.
0: There's there's a great photograph of Jodie Malarkey. I saw him oh, I busking. You took that, yeah.
1: uh... Oh, you took that photograph? <laughs> yeah, that's one of mine.
0: <laughs> is, is that with a camera or with a phone or how do you do that?
1: Oh, I'm not telling you my secrets. Okay. <laughs> it's a
0: painting. Yeah, <laughs> With your foot. Um, I saw him busking the other day and I didn't know if this man. He was either a really bad singer or a really brilliant comedian and I couldn't work it out. I was watching him and my kids were just like... So Delighted watching
1: him. He just brings, I think he just brings joy, doesn't he? Yeah, Mm. he's a real character in Galway, so he had to be in the book.
0: (laughs) He had to be, and there's some great photographs. I mean, I just saw, um, this is, I mean, sorry, there's there's a lot going through my mind here now. So I saw a photograph there of Jared Mahaland and Jerry Mahaland and Cal Johnson, or Monica player or maker fixer, I should say. Um, yeah. I think
1: that was for the festival, the Galway Hooker Festival. It could have been, but they're they're standing on one of the the hookers in the cloud base, and, mm. yeah.
0: and you got a photograph of Bono in there, Machnus. Um It's it, I see it as a coffee uh, coffee table book.
1: That was sort of our intention because it is one of those books that you you dip in and out of. You don't necessarily sit down and read it from cover to cover. Mm. Yeah. You you sort of read bits yeah. as as they. Pro- sort of come yeah. up in your life. Oh,
0: God, look at that that kid there in all the, in all the chairs. Mm-hmm. What's the health and safety there of that photograph, I wonder? Uh,
1: that's actually really interesting. Sorry, if you can... We'll that's one of yours this as well. Yeah, this is one of mine. The def- is that the photographer's
0: child? Is that right?
1: It's, it's a model. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> She's incredible. Um, <sighs> there's also a few photographs in the book. Oh, um, that, yeah. pertaining to Noel Dowley, who was um, quite a prominent architect around the city, and um, his work is quite extraordinary, but doesn't seem to be given enough attention. Uh-huh. Uh, he's got a lovely he's got a lovely little building down on the the docks as well, um, but he died earlier this year, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I
0: love I love these pictures, um, there's one of um, somebody pushing a tuk-tuk underneath water and then a stairway that takes you to nowhere around a rotating, what do they call it? A spiral staircase taking you to nowhere in an art yeah, gallery. Yeah, that's,
1: that's an homage to his his architecture.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then a photograph of eyes in an art gallery. Mm-hmm. Eyes, see. Eh?
1: Well you're just gonna you're just gonna to have to read the book. I'm gonna be sucked in <laughs> here. This is just gonna be me, a
0: podcast of me being sucked into a book. Uh-huh. <laughs> so where can one buy it or where should one buy it?
1: There are various places you can buy it. Um it is available at Kenny's bookshop mm-hmm. and Charlie Burns in town. Bell Book and Candle, I think, have sold out. Dewbreeze in town have, have copies. You can also buy it directly from me, the publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can give you a link for that as well.
0: So that link is a long link. It'll be in the bio. So it will be in the bio, that's yeah. Grand.
1: Um And if you buy it directly from me, I, I deliver free.
0: It, you deliver to go free? To Galway City. From from Australia? No.
1: It's it's here. It's printed here.
0: Oh, it's printed here? Yeah. Oh, okay. But it the is publisher fully, is in Australia?
1: no. I'm the publisher, and I'm here. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm lost. Okay, but it's part. It's connected with the with the mother house. Yeah. Like, so the, the umbrella. This is an imprint. Yeah. yeah. The, the the umbrella organisation or the parent company is in Australia. Is that correct? Yes, that's okay. correct.
1: So the way a publishing house works, you've got the publishing house, and then yeah. you've got various imprints. Imprints. And this is the Irish imprint. Okay. So it's still connected to the publishing house, but we are an Irish operation. So the book is written, designed, printed in Ireland. Which So it's like
0: beggar's banquet and then you got 4AD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Sorry, I'm going into my music yeah. world again. So um, how much is it?
1: It's 45 euro.
0: Excellent. Wow, for a piece of history.
1: Yep, for a piece of history.
0: Can the books be autographed?
1: I'm sure any of the contributors would be more than delighted yeah. to sign a copy. Yeah.
0: What bar can they find you in? Indeed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Probably not. Maybe found them the,
0: <laughs> in the crane most uh, Friday and Saturday nights, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's diff- it would be difficult to get autographs from all of the contributors and yeah. difficult to get Kieran's at the moment, given that she's in Iceland. But, yeah, we could do our best to get a few autographs, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And um, it'd be, it, it would make an excellent um, Christmas present. I'm just looking at the date when this will go out. This will probably go out just before Christmas. I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, well, I don't know. Let's see what I can do. Let's see what I can do. Yeah. What else would you like to say about this book that we haven't already covered?
1: Well, maybe we can tie it in almost with a podcast you've already done, which was with Kevin Lynch, uh, and he was talking about the sand dune project. Oh, the
0: coastal geomorphologist. I know,
1: that doesn't sound like it links up at all, but it, it does in a way. So on the back cover of our book, we have an image across across the clouder. and it's of Ard Bia, and you'll see a line of light, and it's an art installation. Uh, it's been up for about a year. Um, it's by Finnish artists, but in you know in collaboration with various projects around Ireland, in, including the Galway Museum. And that line of light shows where the water surges will be in 150 years oh. from now. Well, 130 years from now. And it will be interesting if someone does continue our story in 200 years, if someone decides to celebrate our book.
0: Which, of course, <laughs> <And> they will.
1: <laughs> they might. future um,
0: listener, you're now, this is your challenge. Exactly.
1: Oh. And what our city might look like at that time. And I think one of the biggest things that's going to shape our city is coastal erosion, It flooding. We're already seeing it in our city and how that will impact our communities, how that's going to impact places like the clatter and how that will Im- impact our cultural views and the arts of the city at the time. And so the three pictures on the back, it sort of represents 200 years ago, 100 years ago and looking towards the future.
0: Wow. That's deep stuff, eh? Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. <laughs> So, speaking of the future, what's your plans for the future, both of you? Queen <laughs> Saturday night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Well, I, I suppose I'm involved in in other projects. I have an a, I have another book due fairly soon, which is called Spirit of Revolution, and it focuses on the period 1917 to 23 but it really looks at the social uh, protests and movements rather than at the military and political side. So it's essentially, it looks at the nature of discontent in the 32 counties of Ireland, small-ish stories from communities around uh, the country. And it's kind of a little bit like this in that it has a variety of contributors who know about their own place and who are writing about things that happen in their own place. So that's my uh, next project. That's not due out until February. Can I just ask very quickly, can you see parallels between Ireland today and Ireland 100 years ago? I think about the unrest in Dublin, for example, recently, and the um, yeah. uh, you know, COVID and, and the 2008 crash and so on. Yeah. Uh well I I guess there are aspects of things that have happened. Uh I suppose COVID, uh we could look for a parallel back in the great flu of of um slightly more than a hundred years ago. Um, and we could compare or maybe really contrast the way that societies dealt with those uh two crises. Um you probably find more differences in the way uh they were approached uh than uh similarities um i suppose there are some issues some social issues um, uh, which are kind of which of which you find echoes um i did a, a seminar recently in minutes kind of based around the next book about this about the spirit of revolution um and the quote comes from Lloyd George in fact he was kind of concerned about the spirit of revolution that he saw coming seeping up everywhere but uh, we were talking about one of the sessions dealt with housing, so uh, my chapter deals with the housing issue in our lack of housing in in a housing protest in Galway. Uh, so there are certainly comparisons to be made um, between about, between then and now with regard to uh, housing crisis. Essentially, I suppose we can point to, to similarities as well as to as, as well as to differences. Uh, but uh, anyway, that's uh, due out from Four Courts Press this time in in February. So whenever that is coming out, you're very welcome to come back on and discuss about that if you want. Okay, thank yeah. you very much. Thanks. Yeah. And yourself, Amelia, what's your, what lies ahead for you?
1: We've just released a book called James Joyce: A Life. And um, it was released here in Galway because there are connections, obviously, between James Joyce and Galway. Um, But it's also had a general international release. And it was written by Gabriel Carey. And I'll just read you the synopsis, which is, if you know nothing about James Joyce, but would like to, but without the bother of reading him, this is the book for you. And if you're a diehard Joycean who has spent your life puzzling over his work, this is also the book for you. She was quite um, an incredible writer. She started writing as a teenager and she wrote quite an infamous novel in Australia called Puberty Blues and it was the first novel by teenagers to be published. Um, She was the co-author of that with Kathy Lett. And um, just after that came out, you know, the book dealt with teenage sex, drugs, abortion. You know, it it was a really risque book of its time in the 70s and just after it it came out she she moved to ireland which must have been just another world <laughs> at that time and um she came from an irish australian family so she lived here for many years and then she she went back home but she 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 lectured lectured in english and she lectured her speciality was james joyce and so she's she's written this book and it's her last book because unfortunately she died a couple of weeks after it was signed off and it came out so so this book is in the bookshops now, and it's, it's a fantastic little book.
0: So what's the name of your, you mentioned it's Arden Publishing. What's the URL for your um, publishing house? Or your imprint, forgive me. Yeah.
1: Well, you can find us at www.scholarly.info, and that is our blanket company, Australian Scholarly Publishing. Um, but I will send you the links to Arden Publishing itself. It's long. Yeah, it's long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you can also find me <laughs> yeah. and I'm a uh, designer underscore Amelia on Instagram. I should also say that Hardiman is supported by quite a, a large social media presence. Um, we like to promote the arts because obviously it coincides with the book. A lot of people in the book uh, feature in the social media and that's that's worth, worth following as well and that's Hardiman's go away.
0: I've done two episodes on James Joyce. Um, I, was, I was I was trying to do one.
1: <laughs> I've got a book you can read.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do one for Bloomsday, and I nearly did three. So um, yeah. I, I kind of get sucked into rabbit holes in a, in a way. Um, we we're talking off mic there about Shane McGowan. One of his favourite um, books was *Finnegans Wake*.
1: *Finnegans Wake*. Yeah. You, you probably
0: heard this, that it took, fin- it took Joyce nineteen years or maybe seventeen years. this this is called 17 years, 17 years to write the book. And he said, it should take you 17 years to read it. Okay.
1: Wow, (laughs) That doesn't surprise me. Also, I will say that a lot of people, because the book that I was talking about, James Joyce Alive by Gabriel Carey, a lot of the people in his life were women. And I don't know if they were just more tolerant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I think he might have been quite a a hard man <laughs> yeah, yeah. to be around a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: Billy Connolly, he famously had a lot of women in his life too, you know, raised by sisters and or, mm-hmm. um, a house full of women. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Makes the man.
0: Yeah, the one thing I didn't mention, which we said we'd mention at the outset. Um, so, um, just like uh, the book was supported in various ways by the university, uh, mostly. By the fact that a lot of the contributors worked there, or researched there, or found there, did their research in the in the library and archive there, but uh, there was also a financial support from the institution itself, yeah. which, which probably we couldn't should have mention. done it without them. Yeah, yeah. That university, it's it does so much good. You know, it's um, it's to be applauded. Yeah. And it, it, it employs all you people. a lot of us. Yeah, it's like you know, what, what's the, you know, you can just like throw a stone at somebody in Galway And they're either working at the university or in, or in Boston Scientific. <laughs> you know? That's right. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's pretty true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Don't be throwing stones at mm. people. <laughs> okay, is there anything else that we haven't said would be sure? I, I think
1: job. so.
0: Okay, yeah. we're all good. Yeah. Okay. Well, Amelia and John. Cunningham not to be confused with John Cunningham Yes, and, that's right. and Amelia Walker thank you very much for coming in it's been in.
1: a pleasure thank you
0: thanks very much yeah. happy Christmas very interesting discussion <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> thank you bye this has been a Social Media original podcast and production